to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It's a Friday edition of the podcast, and I'm sitting here on uh, our not our new couch, our older couch, but uh, it's in a new place, uh, a new a new home, if you will. This episode will air much later than it's being recorded, but this is just for the record the first time I'm recording in the the new house here. We're very proud of our little apartment here that we got here, and uh, yeah, very excited about new podcasts. Uh, hopefully from the couch here, excited about uh, all the different uh, guests and just shows we're going to do here. But I got a great guest for you today. Really great guest, uh, Rio Hondo Prep graduate from the class of 1992. A lot of his peers have been on the program before, so uh, I've never really chatted with this guy, but I did, uh, I've heard great stories. I've heard some uh, great uh, I don't know, topics and things about him and uh, his, his playing days at RHP. He's in law enforcement currently and very proud of his RHP heritage, a huge sports fan. So a lot of big uh, topics today with Mr. Rod Bazuzzi. Rod Bazuzzi from the class of 1992. Let's bring him on the program right now here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Uh, let's see here. Looks like he is there. We got to connect to some audio. There he is, Rod Bazuzzi, uh, in between workouts, it looks like. Yeah. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast, Rod. What's up, man? Rod, man, uh, for those not watching on YouTube, we got we got a Daryl Strawberry jersey. We got a Shaquille O'Neal jersey behind Rod. He's got no sleeves. He's got the uh, the, the killer killer uh, gun showing there, and he's got a bench press behind him. He's fitting in, uh, fitting in reps here. So... <laughs> Gotta stay in shape. Out of, out of way, Rod. Absolutely, man. Uh, how are things? Uh, what's new and exciting? I mean, you, Rod, you and I have never really talked before. I appreciate you coming on the program. No, yeah. I mean, I was I was introduced to your podcast by Dave Joe when you interviewed Mark Carson, I believe, for the first time about Real Hondo Prep football. And I'm at work and driving around. I believe it was, uh, did you start this in 2020, like the summer of 2020 or during covid yeah, uh, started, did an episode like in January, February, didn't know what I was doing, and then really took off in like uh, April of 2020, okay. where we started doing like a guest every day almost. Got it. So I listened to that, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then I I got injured at work. I had elbow surgery, so I was out a few months, and I would go on these long like six-mile hikes, because I'm right next to the trails in Laguna Beach, so I would go on these long hikes, and I would start listening to, uh, you know, David Goggins books, Pat Tillman stuff. And then I looked at your podcast and I said, some of your guests like Paul Clark, Todd Carson, Rick Johnson. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I want to hear what, what Paul has to fabricate on, you know, how good he was. And all. <laughs> yeah. Love these guys. And I grew up pretty much with these guys, you know, in high school. So it was, it was, it's fun listening to, you know, their perspective in high school, what high school was like for them and what they're doing now. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, a few of my friends joke that it's the real Hondo radio network. Cause I have so many 
Real Hondo Prep alums, but uh, that's the people I know, or at least I'm connected to, like like yourself. Uh, you got the RHP football uh, shirt going on there, uh, working Mark, out. Yeah. I Mark mean, Carson hooks it up every year. Every I gotta love it, man. Mark knows how to promote the program, and I try to do what I can with this podcast just so that people are involved uh, also. So uh, what's it like, Rod, as a guy? You graduated in 92. I mean, uh, uh, quite 30 years ago, basically. Yep. And I, I try to explain this to, to my friends. Like, there's still this care, care, no pun intended, but this, like, interest in your alma mater, high school football, at least, like, hey, how the boys doing, right? I mean, exactly. you're, yeah. you're a big sports fan, but there's nothing quite like your alma mater, right? Right. I mean, especially, you know, coming from like, I'm telling you people at work, they don't believe me that I played eight man football. I played probably there was like 20, 30 guys, maybe in, in the entire football program, JV varsity. Uh-huh. Like they don't, they just don't get that. And I'm like, bro, we never lifted weights. We were, we were a freaking track team. All we did was run because we had to play both ways and yeah. and they, they still can't they just like no no i'm like yeah really there's yeah. It, that's what it was and it's like a close-knit type you know brotherhood of due to i mean i wasn't i was just a, a role player type dude i wasn't no you know rick johnson mike whiteside none of those dudes but still we we put in the work you know we did the practices we ran a lot of laps, you know, just, to, just, just to stay in top, you know, shape. And I was always last in the laps because I hated running those laps, but you know, it is what it is. And yeah. now they got this gorgeous weight room sponsored by Dave Joe yeah. <laughs> and these dudes just, you know, they're, they're doing, it's a football program and that's what Mark's making it. And hopefully it just continues to get momentum and continues to keep growing. Yeah, I mean, down in, in your neck of the woods where you live, I mean, Mission Viejo has been a, a huge program for years. I mean, they got 100 dudes on the sideline in their games and a top-notch facility. So, yeah, I'm sure that it is hard to believe with some of your peers. Like, yeah, I played in this tiny school that didn't have many yeah. many players. So, But but it's cool. I, I love looking back. I love talking to people about their experiences there uh, because when the Lakers win a championship, all right, that's cool. The Dodgers win a World Series, that's cool. But I don't know when Re- when Rio is successful, you feel a part of that still, even though it's been such a long time. Yeah, and in what Mark does, Mark m- makes you feel a part of that. Like Mark reaches out to me and says, "Hey, you want to come on the sideline? Hey, you, you, I'm, I'm bringing uh, some dudes in from your class. They want, they're going to be on the sideline. I'll get you a sideline pass. Stuff like that. You know, it's kind of cool that he he cares enough to do that." Oh, absolutely. And, and Rod, I got to say, you're making up for lost time with the uh, the whole weight room thing. I mean, you know, you got the bench press there behind you. Yeah, You're looking good, man. I'm sure, you know, in law enforcement, you got to be uh, in shape and everything. But man, looking good. But so I got a 16-year-old boy who's playing high school football. He, he does lacrosse. He's a multi-sport athlete. I know you're into, you're, you're good. You're, you like that. Yeah. And dudes put up, he's 6'2", 220, and I can't keep up with them. So I do my best to keep up with them. <laughs> now, uh, so he did, okay, football, lacrosse, we'll definitely talk about that. I mean, uh, I think most, I don't know, father and son, I talked to the, the Lees quite a bit. He said there was a lot of basketball games, you know, in the front yard. Is there any one-on-one, on, one-on-one with dad these days, or has he got the best of you? So, okay, we, 
we played a one-on-one game on Thanksgiving. We were up at the my mother-in-law, Gretchen Hampton's house. My wife's Noelle Hampton, now Noelle Pazuzzi. So we played a basketball game. And he backed me down. I was like, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's just stronger than me, you know? And uh, I still, you know, have that competitive streak, you know, try, try to beat my kid. But, like, I couldn't, I, I, unless I was just fouling him all the time. And here's a funny story. We just got back from uh, Maui on a vacation. The hotel we stayed at had an indoor racquetball court and a basketball hoop, a 10-foot basketball hoop inside. Dude was dunking a racquetball barefoot, two hand and one hand. I'm like, I couldn't even touch the net as a sophomore or junior in high school. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, it's, so, I, so I gotta, I gotta try and stay in shape. The, the kid you used to uh, hold his hand wa- walking across the street is now uh, dunking on you and everything. I mean, yeah. Does he yeah. get that? Does he get the athleticism from, from mom, Rod? What, what do you think? Oh man, you went there. I'm just I'm asking a question. There's a 50, uh, 50 shot. No, it, the, the, that Hampton side is pretty athletic. My, my wife's athletic, but her sisters, uh, Alana, Noel, very athletic. Yeah. That, the Hampton name indeed. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, Oric Hampton Sr. was the founder of the whole Kirito program. Eventually, uh, Rio Hondo Prep came along. So Hampton Hall, uh, I, I said, man, Rod, er, when we were off the air, I said, Rod, you married into the Hampton family. And you were like, no, no, no. She married into the Bazuzzi family. I go, oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there, no, but I, I love being part of their family. <clears throat> they're, I mean, I call her mom, mom. You know, it's just, they're, they're wonderful. They're a great family. I call their I called Cheris, my sister, uh, PJ, Philip Hampton Jr., you know, my brother, just we're, we're family, you know, it's pretty cool to be a part of that family. That's awesome, man. Well, well, Rod, we got a lot to talk about your experiences growing up, Carrie Youth League, Real Hondo Prep. Uh, you're currently in law enforcement down there in Orange County. Uh, I definitely want your, your thoughts and some stories there. I think this is going to be uh, a lot of fun. Let's just, uh, yeah, let's go down memory lane a, a little bit, Rod. Where did you grow up? And how did you find the uh, Cary Youth League? Okay. So I grew up in Duarte, Duarte. Are you familiar with Duarte at all? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I grew so up in Glendora, Glendora, kind of similar okay. to Duarte, right? Okay. right. <laughs> not really. No, not really. But anyway, <laughs> exactly. so Duarte is basically two cities, in my opinion, especially back in the early 80s, early 90s. There's Duarte where there's Bradbury Estates, you know, above Huntington Drive, where Peter and uh, Paul Clark grew up, Danita Clark grew up. And then there was Dewarty called the Low End, b- below Dewarty Road. And back in the 80s, there was, it was a big, like, gang area, Duroc Crips, okay? Mm-hmm. So, and I went to Maxwell Elementary School, which was probably a quarter mile from my house where I would walk to school and it was like, I'm a white dude and I'm in this school with primarily Hispanic and uh, black kids, which was cool with me. I didn't care because I didn't, I didn't know any different because that's where I grew up. So um, yeah, it's just, that's, I'm pretty proud of where I grew up because it, (laughs) it was kind of a rough area, you know? And so when I, I was in this Head Start program because it was like a low-income community 
where it was at a church. And but I believe that's how I got introduced my grandmother at the time, because my grandmother and my mom pretty much raised me. My dad was out of the picture. And so once they got the uh, information on Care Youth League, they signed me up right away. I was probably five years old. So 79, maybe 80. I got signed up and I was on the uh, Atlantic Pirates. Oh, another Atlantic guy. I, I tell you, I have nothing but Atlantic Pirates coming out of my ears on these uh, podcasts. Yeah. You're killing me. Yeah. And so Bill Orsburn, Mr. Orsburn was my first coach. Wow. And I started in baseball season. And I remember my first game. T- it was it's T-ball. I remember it being T-ball or something. And I hit the ball. I'm running the bases. And I get home. And he's like, touch home plate. And I didn't see a home plate because it was covered by the T. They didn't move the T. And I wouldn't, t- I wouldn't touch the T. I'm like, I don't see the home plate, Mr. Orsburn. He's like, touch home plate. I, go, I don't see it. And he moved the T and I touched it. And that was, that was my intro right there. Wow. I like it. That, that is uh, awesome. Uh, so were you like a kindergartner, super young guy, or kind of a little older? I think I was a when I first started, I was a kin- kindergartner, maybe okay. first grader. Okay, so I, I've been told uh, by at least Pete, Pete Clark, Pete and Paul Clark, the Clark brothers, and you mentioned the, their family as well. So did you know them kind of before Cary Youth League, or did you guys uh, become teammates? How did that all come about? So I didn't know. I knew of the Clark family because the Clarks, I don't know if you had to sell uh, Christmas wrapping paper or not, but that was the main, the main fundraiser and Christmas cards. Pete, the Clark family would be like at the top of the board. They'd have a board outside concession stand. They'd always be at the top. So I knew about the Clark family, but I wasn't friends with Peter because he was older than me and Paul was older than me. I got to be friends with Pete um, pretty much after high school. After after we graduated, we became very, very close friends. And I would always be at his house. I'd always see PC, Paul Clark, Danita, Mrs. Clark, like another mom to me. So just that's that's how that whole relationship started. Well, I mean, what a special uh, group of people, just a wonderful family. And, uh, I, you know, Rod, uh, Pete had some health issues recently. Um, I mean, what were your, he's doing so much better now. So, I mean, it's a miracle, really. Uh, what, what, were, what are your thoughts on kind of seeing one of your great friends, Pete Clark, uh, go through something so horrible and then to see how, where he has come? I mean, take me through uh, your thoughts and emotions uh, with all that. Oh, man. So that day... Um... I actually was going to Rio Hondo prep with my wife and I have an eight-year-old son too, Kellen. So we're driving up to Rio Hondo prep to watch my niece, my nieces play in a softball game. I get a call from Dave Joe and he says, uh, Peter collapsed at one of his uh, baseball game. He was coaching and he got rushed to the Arcadian Methodist. I'm like, that's not good. So I get to the game. I see, uh, you know, I see Chris Horton. I sit down next to Chris Horton. He was my former coach. We talked, we talked for a little bit and he, he didn't really have much information. I saw Mr. Drain talk to him. No one really knew anything. Right. So Mark, Mark, um, calls me, Clark calls me and David Joe, like on a FaceTime type deal. He's like, I saw Pete doesn't look good, you know, and I was, I couldn't even keep it together, dude. Like I was losing it. So I went up the next day with Dave Joe. We saw Pete and he was intubated I don't know where he had the tubes in his mouth and everything I'm like I could I I still to this day like I you never want to see someone you love in a position in in that sort of situation so we saw him that day he was obviously you know out we go the following uh 
Sunday. Now he's up in LA at a Kaiser. I think it's a Kaiser up in LA. I'm not sure. And we see him in Pete's like, he's awake, everything, but he's doped up. Like he is just out of his mind. He thinks he's John Wick. He thinks <laughs> he, he was just, but I loved it because I got to see my friend, right? And he knew who I was and we, we talked and um, here's, a, here's a funny one. I mean, you might have, so I use kind of, you know, I don't use Bill Barnes language, but I use kind of language. So you might want to use a disclaimer like you do with Barnes. And, hey, we'll get into Barnes in a little bit. Too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. So I see Pete and we're talking. I go, hey, Pete, there's a church of Scientology right out the window, man. And he's like, they can scientize these nuts. And, and I'm like, all right, we got Pete back. He's back. He's back. He's back. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that was that was difficult, you know, and then, then once he was released, we went up and met him at his house and had lunch and talked for a few hours and just, you know, it's never, it's, I take for granted my, you know, not spending as much time as I should with him. He was the best man at my wedding. Wow. So, so I mean, you know, like, I, I, I live an hour and a half hour away from Pete. I need to see Pete more, you know, mm. and that just right there shows how we take things for granted. You know, you never know. You never know. That, that, that's so well said. I, I, I can't tell you uh, how many times it, it's, it's sad that it almost takes a tragedy for us to put things in perspective for us to be like, man, I need to, I need to see that friend more. I need to go see this family member more, uh, you know, whatever it may be. So uh, yeah, hopefully if, if the last year taught us anything is that anything is, uh, is possible, uh, negative or positive, and, and we got to take advantage of the relationships that, that we have. So, uh, yes, uh, Pete's doing well. I mean, you look on Facebook, he's traveling all over the country yeah. now. It's like, what, what, what yeah. happened to the guy that was in his, uh, in the hospital yeah. bed? Yeah. Good. I mean, good for him. <laughs> and guess what, Matt, that maybe that just shows him right there. Like I need to do more. I need to experience life. Right. Like yeah. that's what we all need to do. This, you know, mm -hmm. can't take it for granted. Oh man. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Pete coached me when I was in uh, fifth grade, he came over coaching Gators for one year, little known fact I know, but, uh, and we beat those Atlantic pirates in a football championship. They got us in basketball. I'm not bitter at all, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we had Pete on our side for a short time. Uh, yes. I uh, can't wait to have Pete Clark on the program. Yeah. Now, he needs to get on the program. Right. Dave Joe yep. said to have him on. Yep. You, you've now said to have him on. Yep. As a matter of fact, that was how you reached out to me about the podcast and said, Hey, I'd love, you know, love the show. I'm like, Oh man, thank you. And I asked you to come on and you said, yeah, you got to get Dave Joe and, and Pete Clark on first. So yeah. Dave Joe's been on Pete Clark. The pressure's on it's building. Yep. yep. Got to get him on. Got, got to have him on. So, uh, uh, anyway, back to, uh, growing up, Rod, uh, you're playing T-ball and carry youth league. You grew up in Duarte, uh, rough area. You talked about that. Uh, who else besides Mr. Orsburn were some of your coaches throughout carry youth league that had uh, kind of an impact on you? All right. So one more for Mr. Orsburn. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, so Atlantic bus, you know, you, you get picked up by the bus, you get dropped off by the bus at your bus stop. Right. So, when I was picked up by the bus, it was the last stop before you get to carry youth league. It, it was at like Beardsley elementary school. That's where I got picked up. I got, when I got dropped off at Beardsley, it was the last stop. So I'm going through Arcadia, Monrovia, up through upper Dewarty, all that. And dude, I'm telling you, I, when I was a kid, 
I'm still a knucklehead, but I was a knucklehead. So I was like, <laughs> I, you know, I was always getting into trouble. And there's this one spot where uh, the bus would drive over these bumps and dudes, I always sat in the back. I mean, we would just, once we hit the bumps, we would like fly over the seats, like, you know, just exaggerating the bump, but just <laughs> flying over seats. And the bus, Mr. Orsberg and the buses back then had those long mirrors and they would look up and they could see everything, right? So finally, when we get to my, my stop, my last stop, Mr. Orsburn stops the bus. My grandmother and mom are waiting in the car, walks back to the back of the bus and open hand spanks me on my, on my butt, spanks me. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, I was shocked. I was like, I've never been spanked before. Like literally like hand on shoulder, spank, spank, spank. Don't do this again on the bus. You, you know get out of here type thing. And I, I, I didn't, I don't think I cried. I go to the car and my my grandmother could tell like, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with you? What? I just got spanked. He's like, you probably deserved it. You're lucky we haven't spanked you before, you know? And, and that was it, man. Like, can you imagine a coach oh. spanking a kid nowadays? They call the sheriffs, they call the cops, they eat the, it, 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 on the news, <laughs> like, but that's what I needed. At the time, that's what I needed. My my mom and my grandmother knew I needed a male influence in my life. And so, Mr. Orsburn, I love Mr. Orsburn. I still quasi keep in touch with Mr. Orsburn this day. He gave me my first job after I graduated high school. I worked for Mr. Orsburn. Wow. So, coaches after that, Mr. Lee, Scott Moore, um, Mr. Horton, Greg Loomis, those were pretty much my coaches wow. growing up into uh care youth league and then into rihanna prep man that's uh lots to unpack there i yeah you're right about the whole you know male discipline thing you said you know you you needed that your dad wasn't in the picture and i i do think that i love your your grandparents and mom's response by the way like oh you deserved it you know that's yeah there, we need more of that i don't know where it's yeah. gone but uh you know I remember a similar story to like my dad. It was my brother. I, I, I haven't got hit a few times. I learned pretty quick, but like uh, he said, my dad, he did, he came home and he lied about something and uh, he, he, he was going to get spanked and he and he said, no, actually I lied about it this way. He goes, okay, you're going to get two now. You're getting two oh. now for lying. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, oh man. But uh, yeah, th that's uh, something I think that is an issue in society is, is not just, you know, uh, fathers, you know, not being there, but I mean, I don't know how people function without the famous phrase, wait till your dad's home. Cause that yeah. put the fear of God in me and, yeah. and to not have that. I mean, I, God bless the women that, that, that do it uh, uh, solo because it's gotta be hard raising kids with that. A them. lot of my friends, you know, when I, when I was younger, there, it was all moms. There was no dads in the picture, you know? So, and they, I went to care youth league, which I don't know if it was by design or just by, you know, convenience, but maybe they, maybe those moms knew that they needed like a male role model influencer type thing in their son's lives. Well, and, and that's a good point because I've heard that, or at least it's been kind of interpreted this way that care youth league, if you really think about it, it, it kind of was that organization for, and, and a lot of kids who play sports, they, they'll talk about coaches being father figures and everything, but Care Youth League really was that organization that was there for, for kids of either divorced families or who didn't have a, a parent in the picture, those who did not have a church home. I mean, it became that church home. So I, I don't know. I think it's, it's great for, for 
families who are intact. I mean, there's that, that's wonderful too, but I think it really develops kids who had kind of a broken home type of uh, place, right? Yeah, I'm telling you, Matt, it, 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 it probably kept me out of a lot of trouble. Like I wouldn't be, I told Mr. Horton this when I saw him at that softball game. Um, I said, Mr. Horton, I would not be in the position I am today without carrying thinking real on the prep. I truly believe that. I, I mean, I know it mm-hmm. because, you know, just my, the way I was and the way, you know, like I had, I, I felt like I had no consequences. And then when I went to care youth league, there was consequences. Right. Yeah. So I definitely needed it. And, and that's, you know, today is a proof of that in my life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, the man you've become and, and, and people can look up to your kids and everything as well. I, I, I get to ask you that. I should ask other people this, but speaking of care youth league specifically, what, what makes Cary Youth League different than Little League Baseball, Pop Warner football, uh, uh, youth basketball, whatever it is? You, you've had kids, I'm sure, who played sports and everything, as, as you mentioned earlier. What is it about Cary Youth League that, for you, obviously helped you be, uh, grow up quickly and to become a responsible man? What is it that sets Cary Youth League apart from other youth sports organizations? All right. Okay, I'll, I'll start off the first part of your uh question so i have a 16 year old and i have an eight year old 16 year old started um pop warner when he was six years old tackle football i coached i coached him all the way up through eighth grade then i stopped coaching because i'm like he's gonna be in high school he needs to he doesn't need dad on the sideline anymore right (laughs) and there's like six other dads on the sideline but he played basketball after that too my wife was his basketball coach until he got into junior high, then he had another basketball coach, but that was a completely separate organization, right? That was through NJB NJB. and then some club team. He played little league baseball. That was through Aliso Viejo little league. You know, that's where we pretty much live. All different kids. Some kids maybe overlap, but all different kids, different coaches. There was no Mount care. There was no, you know, sleepovers. There was no, so care youth league, you get football, same coach. You get basketball, same coach. You get baseball, you get soccer, same coach. And it's the same kids. Then you got your Mount Cares. You got your sleepovers. You got your water balloon war. You got all that stuff included. And, I mean, there's nothing like it. There was nothing. I mean, I, I don't know really how it is today. But back then for me, man, it was like, I was like in heaven, dude. It was like the best thing, something for me that I needed because like I was away from home. So my, my mom, you know, didn't have to deal with me. My mom, and my, by the way, my mom was disabled. She, oh, she really? had cerebral palsy, so she couldn't drive. She couldn't walk. She, I mean, she could walk a little bit, but so she had some, you know, some okay. disabilities. That's why my grand, her mom, my grandmother helped. So, I mean, for me to have care youth league and for me to just, you know, tying away energy spent that that's, that's, it was good for my, our family and for me. And I got to be with this. Like I grew up playing sports with Jeff Fairley, you know, it's like, that's kind of cool, you know, yeah. and other guys, you know, Brandon Lee good, was a good friend of mine. And we all played all, all sports together. And, and, and I've talked about this. You've heard the podcast. I don't understand how, 
kids these days don't play all the sports or multiple sports. Like I would get so bored doing one thing all year round. Like, right. I mean, moving, I love football. Football was my fight, my favorite, but it was cool moving to basketball, then baseball coming full circle, even soccer, you know, we, we played that. And it was just, I don't understand how kids don't play multiple sports. Cause how else do you find what you want to do or what you're good at? You know? Right. And we forgot that. Did you have the Olympics? Yes. The, the track Olympics. Meet, and then every what four place, years. Yeah. What place has the Olympics dude, where you get to like get a medal and go on stage. That, I mean, that's so cool. Yeah. And I represented Italy because my last name is Basuzzi. So, I mean, <laughs> So, uh, you know, it, right. it was fun, man. I mean, you know, it was just, it was, I got into a lot of trouble at Care Youth League too, but it was still fun. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, it, you know, like uh, Scotty Small's mom says in, in the Sandlot, you know, go get into trouble. You're supposed to get into yeah. trouble as a kid. That's how you learn too. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Uh, so any other uh, memories from Care Youth League? I mean, uh, summer, uh, not summer trip, but camps, uh you, you seem like you love sports. Like you just love the whole program, the whole concept of it. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, going to Mount Care in the summertime was really cool. And back then, I mean, they had the Jeep rides where you'd go in the back of the Jeep and whoever, Scott Moore would, or Charlie Parsons would drive that Jeep. And kids would like almost be flying out of that thing, dude. Just like <laughs> driving, you know, up and down the, the dirt roads and stuff the horseback riding, the hiking, mountain baiting pow. I hated that, but I did it, you know, <laughs> swimming in Jackson Lake or whatever it was called, like in, you know, the whole, the sleeping outside in the bunks and having inspections and, oh, you know, yeah, Oof. yeah, yeah. Inspection. Like, it's just like, where else do you get that? The, the morning, uh, the, didn't somebody do the bugle call in the morning, like wake up, yeah, I that, I think. yeah, yeah. Flag raising. The I mean, flag raising. And, uh, we, I mean, were, we uh, paid tribute to the flag back then. What a yeah. concept, you know, t- yeah. teaching kids at a young age. I mean, all those things. It was right. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. I, I can't. Yeah, so here, here's one good story of Mount Care. So Scott Moore, he dressed. You, did they have Engine Joe back when you were uh, there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. So not politically correct, I know, but Engine Joe. <laughs> Um, Scott Moore dressed up as Engine Joe and we're all in the mess hall going to eat and he comes and bangs on the windows and says some Indian language or whatever. So we all run out and chase him. He pretends to steal someone's car, peels out and drives off, right? I mean, that was so cool to me. Like I'm a nine-year-old kid and it's like, where else do you get that? You know, no and the winter camps too. Like that's the first time I ever saw snow was at, at those winter camps, you know, yeah. like. I would have never had any type like if if my if I was just at home I would never have we would not go to the snow we would not go to the mountains we would not yeah. go to the beach or you know what I mean like it was it was all care youth league for me at least um, being able to do those things I don't think there's a better place uh, for a kid than Mount Care not just being in the mountains at a campground but just how well taken care of it all was the experiences there, you know, talk about foot playing football in the snow was one of the coolest things I ever, yeah. I've ever did. Yeah. Uh, those were, those are vicious battles too. When you're 10 years old, you know, yeah. going at it. Um, Charles, Charlie Parsons did such a good job over the years with that place. And now uh, one of your classmates, Bill Lee yeah. is running things. And, and I don't know how, how, if you've been up there lately, but he's done some amazing work. I have not been up there, but my, my youngest son, the little man, I call him, he goes, he went up with the, uh, the Pollux, which is Cheris's, uh, Larry Pollock, Cheris Pollock. 
and their family for a couple family camps and he loved it. He got to shoot a bow and arrow, got to, you know, do play the games and he's super athletic. So he, he loves that stuff. Yeah. That's a, a man. Bill has done incredible work up there. I, yeah. I, I visited up there about a year ago and it's just a really cool, really cool uh, place. Uh, so Rod, uh, how did real Hondo prep come about? I know for some people, it doesn't seem like a viable option because it's like, Oh, private school. And it's like, okay, that's just off the table. Um, but I think real Hondo prep takes pride in, in working with families, working with, uh, with kids to, to get them there. Was it a challenge for you to uh, get to Rio or was it kind of off the table or did you know that was going to happen? So when I was in the, I believe it was the fifth grade, probably fifth grade, I was too heavy to play in my division, probably, which was AAA football, whatever. I don't know. I was too heavy. I, I call it, I was chunky, but funky. Okay. <laughs> so I got moved up to uh, Chris Horton's Vikings team. That's the first time I ever met Mr. Horton. So I got moved up to his team and he was a great coach. One of my favorite coaches ever. Mm. And he started you know, kind of like Mike, Mike Dowd was on that team. A couple of guys who were already in Rio Hondo prep and there were sixth graders. I was a fifth grader. They were on the team. And so I'm like, what's this Rio Hondo prep thing? I kind of, you know, I know Jeff Fairley was going to Rio Hondo prep at the time. So once I was going to uh, graduate from elementary school and go to a middle school in uh, Dewarty, my grandparents, my, on my father's side, who, who they lived in Arcadia, they, I asked them about Rio Hondo Prep, and they said, let's look into it. Um, I think they met with uh, Arliss Dowd at the time, who was the uh, principal, and we set up a payment plan, and I went to Rio Hondo Prep. At, um, at that time, that's when they still rolled you back, so I was, I was a sixth grader. I was a sixth grader at Rio Hondo Prep, and that was my first time. Do you think Rio similarly, okay, you're a kid, you go through Care Youth League and you said that you don't know where you would end it up without Care Youth League. You know, you go to Rio and uh, we all become teenagers, right? And uh, so <laughs> we, we kind of have this uh, desire to get in trouble maybe more and stuff. Do you kind of have a similar outlook to Rio Hondo Prep as you did with Care Youth League? As far as getting as far, in trouble? Well, no, just as far as it it's, it, uh, developing you, you know, if you had gone to another school, oh, okay. uh, things would have not worked out for you. I mean, I, I don't know what would would have happened had I gone somewhere else. I thought the structure of Rio and everything, all the opportunities there, was something that uh, I just I soaked up from the get go. Um, yeah, so I had a uh, my sixth grade year. <laughs> it was pretty rough as far as dis discipline. I was probably in the principal's office once every two weeks, like. <laughs> I was a knucklehead dude. And I, I, I took my Maxwell elementary school where nobody made you do anything men, mentality or whatever to Rio Hondo. And that wasn't going to work there. Like I would make paper airplanes and throw them at the teachers and Ooh. like stuff like you can't do that at Rio Hondo prep. Right. But I, 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 I thought I could get away with it. I, and just stuff like that. Just, <laughs> but eventually I, I, I think I bought into the, the structure, the, the school and, um, in, in, in where I wanted to be. Yeah. So, I, I think when kids go to Rio, like 
maybe after that first year, you, you get a couple different groups of people. You get people that, uh, like, as you mentioned, it's where you wanted to be, even, even if you had some, uh, you know, issues with discipline or whatever. And then you run into guys who are like, you know what, this isn't for me. I want to go somewhere else. Doesn't make them bad guys or whatever, but, uh, it's not for everyone at, you know, right. it's a small school. So I, I think the guys that stick it out, uh, guys or girls, they get a, a very, uh, they, they learn a lot from it. They're very, very beneficial to them. Uh, when you're in high school, you got to play ball with guys like Jeff Barely, Pete Clark, Todd Carson, Rick Johnson, Mike Whiteside, John Correa. I'm just trying to name them all. Bill Lee, John Lee. Um, legendary names. I've seen the banner, right? The, the banners, I should say. Uh, well, here's what I want to know. I've, I've tried to ask Dave Joe this. I've tried to ask Todd this. I know the athletes and the great man that these guys grew up to be. I want to know what these guys were like in high school. I want to know who was the guy, who was the prankster? Who was the, the guy who was a goof? Who was the, maybe a bully? I don't know. Uh, take me through some of the, the names, the guys you grew up with and what it was like growing up with them in high school. Uh, so I say John Carrillo, good friend of mine, also in law enforcement. He was, he was pretty much a, he, he was a prankster. He, he was a, a dude who, who liked to, you know, on the down low, do, do some pranks. Um, Todd, Todd was cool. I mean, Todd and I got closer as we got older, mm. not necessarily. I don't think we were very close in high school, but at, after high school, we were, we were pretty close. Um, uh, Rick, Rick's Rick, man. Like Rick, <laughs> Rick had the power. Rick knew he had the power as far as like, you know, like he could pretty much would probably be mad at me for saying this, but he could pretty much do what he wanted, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, just cause he was Rick. Yeah. Like dudes who are dudes, they get special privileges. I believe that's how, I mean, you know, so, you know, if, if I needed something done as far as like through Mr. Johnson or something, I just go to Rick and Rick would work it out. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, Pete was always like, like I played freshman football with Pete or JV football when I was a freshman with Peter. Cause he was so, he was like 75 pounds as a, as a sophomore <laughs> and you know, Pete was cool, you know, but, um, but like when I first went on my first summer trip in 1987, um, that's, that was pretty much like when I, you know, figured out like, man, this is where I want to be. It was tough. The morning runs, the trip, the, or the, the place set up, all that stuff. I mean, it was work, but to be able to, you know, go to, I, I've been to like all 50 States, you know, and it's all because of real Hondo prep and those summer trips is when you that's in college, at least that's when I got the really bond with Pete because we were tent partners, you know, like that's when I got the bond with Todd Carson. Cause we would go to, you know, like a Applebee's, this is in college we weren't in you know we weren't in high school we would go to Applebee's after the play and try to watch a ball game or something you know like just stuff like that which was 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 pretty cool that's when you really get to know these guys oh man that's that's awesome I I do have a, a few sources uh, I know a few of, of your former classmates uh let's see you could confirm or deny this let's see it looks like I heard you were uh, Luigi in a play for the Wright brothers. Is that accurate? You're in a, a Wright brothers play of some kind. And then an, another play you were in charge of the underground uh, escapees of, uh, I, I mean, do you remember the trip plays by any chance? Yeah. So I, 
no, that Rod. I think Rod Heaton was Rod Heaton was Luigi. I, okay. I don't know. I I don't know what I was in that play. I forget. But I was always like in the 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 gang of you know kids who were you know you know how the plays were based around like the first play I was in Gang in the White House, right? Mr. Jim Smith was Teddy Roosevelt, and uh, you know it was that whole Teddy Roosevelt era, and I was like one of his I was Tim Lenny was supposed to be his son and I was one of Tim Lenny's friends and whatever yeah. but I mean yeah the trip plays were fun I was uh I don't know I, I forget about the underground railroad thing but Under, or, the Jew, yeah. Jewish yeah the Jewish smuggler I don't know yeah I, Jew, yeah that was it, it was Bill, like, Bill Lee was the the lead Nazi who was trying to get us so <laughs> bad guy Bill bad Man, guy can you imagine that play being put on today. I uh, know. I was thinking about that when uh, Steve, <laughs> Steve Amon said, uh, yeah, Bill Lee was uh, not, I go, what? And yeah. Bill Lee is a proud U S Marine before yes. anyone out there listening. But uh, yeah. you, you, you like, you got to have a villain in, in plays, yeah. you know, yeah, he it, had the swastika, he had everything, man. Are you serious? The, oh, yes. oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Like, People are going uh, through these different States and campgrounds and we're doing this play. I mean, it, this would be like on CNN and, oh, you know, you're right. it, it, yeah. it'd be all over the place. I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a movie guys, or it's a play. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's meant, no, you're saying this person is bad. If you promoted this, this person, yeah, then you'd have an issue. But to right. say, to say a bad guy is a villain. I mean, that's yeah. not a big deal to me, but you're right in today's yeah. world. Oh my goodness. Yeah, all over the place. CNN uh, trip plays were, were very cool. Sounds like you guys did some some big ones back in the day. Yeah, we did. Um, I mean, play setups were like two hours. Oh, there's your, like, your workout. Yeah, you're working out. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think most you've talked about your your coworkers and things like. I don't. There's no way you can believe some of the things that you did. Yeah, we used to do this right. trip play in campgrounds. Yeah. It's set up in a massive stage. You're like, no, this is a joke. You're like, no, it's yeah. real. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, they don't. I mean, I, I've only shared it with like close friends at work, and they still are like, "Man, you were no play." I'm like, <laughs> "I got video, bro. I got a VHS. Yeah. I could show you, but whatever, you know." What's uh, Rod? I mean, you, we got to talk some sports here. Uh, Real Hondo Prep football, which we we both know and love. I mean, you were on uh, g- great uh, basketball team, a cl- that team of '91, uh, the class before you, and when you guys were juniors. I mean, I don't know all the details of. Uh, of you being a part of the team and everything, but uh, any sport you want, any topic you want. I mean, what was your experience like with the athletics at Real Hondo Prep? So football was like what what I love to do. I I like playing football. So um, I think it was my sophomore year. um, uh, Somebody wasn't doing their job at linebacker. I was like, I don't even know. I must've been on the sideline or something. Somebody wasn't doing their job. Hey, what Mr. Lenny say? Somebody, my grandmother, what, what's the saying? Like, my grandmother in for Bazuzzi. No, but it was my grandmother in for Mena. Bazuzzi, go. So I ran oh. in. <laughs> I ran in and I played, I played linebacker and I played good. And I got a pick, you know, it just, and that was it. Mr. Lenny's like, dude, you're, you're, you're not going to be a nose guard anymore. You're going to be a linebacker. So I'm like, cool. So, I mean, I had a pretty good sophomore year lettered and then, um, that my junior year, 90, that's the year they, uh, we won the CIF championship. I was a backup linebacker to Rick Johnson and David Joe. Ooh. And uh, so 
we have this we yeah so we have <laughs> practice right like the first time we're in pads we're doing practice and mr lunny sets up this drill where it's like it's like a bull in the ring one-on-one deal with me and rick johnson and so it's just we're just going at it just boom and he just he just manhandling me like just moving me all over the place and i'm trying to resist and everything and so we do this drill and mr lenny's like all right bazuzzi that's probably gonna be the hardest you'll be hit this entire season he walks away and rick's like no it's not (laughs) (laughs) these dudes these dudes bringing on varsity yeah like so i mean that was pretty cool and and then um i I mean i played a little bit i think Dave joe got hurt in the web game so i played pretty much in that a, a almost the whole game in that game which was fun and just being on that team and practicing and you know playing a little bit here and there I remember the first time I played in a game was at Templeton oh, and nice. uh we're dressing in the locker room and um Rick Rick's like hey you be ready to go I'm like that's Mr. Johnson's not gonna put me in he's like I'm gonna put you in so we, <laughs> I think we're up a couple touchdowns Rick's out there and then Rick just comes off he's like Bazuzzi go he just runs off the field I'm like what he's like go so I go out there and like you know I'm playing varsity football make a make a couple tackles and I mean that's just you know that's what I'm talking about Rick like Rick could just be like hey go in yeah you know? <laughs> and, and I went in so being the best player and the and the coach's yeah. son uh kind of yeah. has his benefits <laughs> yeah. well well take me through uh Randall Johnson and and Gary Lunny two legends who've, who've passed on and I, I talk about them to a lot of talk about them with a lot of different people who played under them because I think it pays tribute to them uh, what what uh, are some of your memories of of Randall Johnson and, and Gary Lunny two legends in the Real Hondo Prep football program uh, well, Mr. Johnson, you know, Mr. Johnson had his wit about him, his sarcasm, but I mean, you could tell like he actually, he cared about everyone on the team, not just the, the dudes who scored touchdowns or, you know, made amazing tackles interception. He cared about the dude who was, you know, on the sideline. He wanted, I, I believe he wanted everybody to play. He wanted everybody to get in and, and, and have that experience. Mr. Lenny, the same way. I mean, he just, you could tell they cared. They wanted to win their coaches. Coaches want to win, but they, they did care about their players from the, the dude who, you know, was the fringe player to the dude who never even, you know, stepped on the field until they got him in the game because they knew he didn't play playing the game yet. So, I mean, that's what I admired about them. You know, they, they actually, they cared about their players, you know, mm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, I thought I'm trying to think, I don't think real Hondo prep football could have kind of gone to where it did without those guys. I mean, they, they were the kind of the architects really. And, uh, and, and or Campton uh, junior as well, working with the offensive line and, and uh, just that entire, the program was in great hands for so long. They eventually had to pass, you know, pass the reins and Mr. Ken Drain, uh, Greg Loomis, who coached uh, defense for a while, and now it's in the hands of uh, Mark Carson. I mean, it's been fun to see the evolution of the Real Hondo Prep football program. Yeah, it is. And I'll tell you this story. Um, when I can't remember, it was junior or senior year, Mr. Johnson would bring out his son, Randy Johnson, Rod Heaton, <laughs> I believe Dave Carson, I'm not sure, and they would practice against us in full pads 
again, guys. This day, doing this this day, they'd, they'd be arrested for that. You can't do that, right? <laughs> but they would have these guys who are, who are like 20-year-old men now, you know, 19, 20, and they're, they're practicing against us. And so, I mean, they came up with things like that to try and make us better, which was, <laughs> which was pretty cool. Oh, man, that's hilarious. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the 90, 90 team wins the, uh, the CIF football championship. Um, Dave, Dave, Joe talked about that. Todd's talked about that a, a few times. I mean, um, the first title since, uh, 82. So the, the, there was kind of a drought there to real Hondo standards. I mean, uh, what, what was it like winning that, that CIF championship at faith Baptist, right? At faith Baptist. Yeah. And their, their, their main running back was a little dude. His nickname was, I don't even know his name, but his, his nickname was Lofi and Lofi <laughs> was a decent, I mean, a good running back, low to the ground, couldn't really, you know, make cuts, couldn't really see him very well until he was in the secondary. But those dudes shut him down, man. Hey, am I claim the fame in that game? I made the starting goal line defense for that game. That was that I was a starter on goal line, but I don't think I ever went in on goal line. So that, that's <laughs> all right. Fantastic. Uh, well, well, Rod, talk to me about uh, basketball. I mean, probably the greatest, no, not probably, is the, the greatest basketball team that's ever gone through Real Hondo Prep, that 1991 team. Um, did, did you see the floor much? I mean, if you didn't, not a big. <laughs> I wasn't on that team, Matt. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. But I went to all the games. Okay. And my boy Todd Carson told me he was going to dunk in one of those games. He, he said, I'm going to try and dunk in one of these games. I'm like, Todd, you can't even touch the rim. He's like, my <laughs> adrenaline. So whatever. I mean, I love watching those guys play. You know, it was, it was amazing. I mean, to, to see them play and to see the people, the competition, the, uh, Rebay Academy yeah. players, they had dudes, six, five, six, six, you know, and for real to hang with those dudes and to play defense like they did and, you know, just move the ball. Like Mr. Drain had those guys squared away and he had those guys ever since they were eighth graders or younger than that. I don't know, but you know, just to witness that and to see that and to go to school with those guys and to, you know, man. just to, it was, it was pretty cool, man. It was pretty cool. And the girls, they were like parallel to them. They were like doing the same thing. Oh, that's right. The, yeah. The regional, uh, yeah. team, whatever. And, and my, your wife, my right? wife, Noel. Yeah. My wife, Noel was, uh, she was, they, she was like Lakers, Kurt Rambis. You know who that is, right? Yeah. She's, one of my favorites. Okay. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. She was like a Kurt Rambis dude. Like she'd go out there like, foul like their best player or whatever yeah. You know? yeah, yeah so i mean and i think she got some play time in that uh one of those final games because someone got fouled someone fouled out or got hurt or something but her sisters were both like you know uh. all, all cif you know basketball players but it was just cool having that i mean in the whole school the whole community everybody at care youth league real hondo prep were just involved in that whole thing you know I and like dave that. joe said we didn't have to go to school and the students didn't have to go to school. Not just the athletes, the students didn't have to go to school. We were traveling That's awesome. San Diego up North all over the place. Mathematics and science can wait. Yeah. We got, we got big things to do here. Real. That's uh, I, I love that. Hey, we used to do hey, that. We too. Played, we, they played one team up North, like in like I'm Fresno, Bakersfield, whatever. So um, there, I think they were beating, uh, this is the boys, the boys, vars, Todd's team. They're beating the varsity in that playoff game and their fans start saying, go start the bus, go start the bus. And then Rio comes back, ends up beating them. And then we start, I didn't start this. I might've started it, but 
go start the tractors, go start the tractors. <laughs> yeah. So it was fun, man. It was fun. Oh, good times. Hey, uh, with, with your wife, I've seen the banner, right? All that, there's like five, I think it was five Hamptons on, on yeah, one of the banners. Yeah. Did, did she ever confirm, did all Hampton, did, did, was there a, a, all, all Hamptons playing on the floor at one time? Did that ever happen? So, so my wife, Noelle, her sister, Alana, um, other sister, Cheris, Pauline Hampton cousin, cousin and Marina Hampton cousin, all five, I believe played at one time. That's awesome. On, the, on the same court. That is, that is so cool that is yeah. really really cool yeah. uh the yeah good times there in the in the early 90s for sure uh football basketball uh baseball i mean you said football was hands down your favorite sport what was yeah it was it was that was my favorite sport it was probably um the the best sport i was halfway decent at or good at you know so i loved it i loved the you know the contact the you know competition that sort of thing and here's a here, here's a funny story. So Ken Lee got this uh, old like game film from my my senior year, 91. Um, and it, it's a sideline shot. Right. So not sideline. It's a it's a from the stands, but sideline. It wasn't the typical like up on the the building scoreboard with the you know, with that shot. So he get he starts sending me these videos of me playing football. And I'm like, so slow. I'm so like, just can't even move. I'm, I'm like chasing. And so I show this video to my son, my older son. He's like, dad, you are sorry. Like, what was wrong with you? I'm like, bro, I was probably hurt. Give me a break. I'm playing both ways. Yeah. So that, that's, that's pretty funny, man. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, it was playing football there. It was, it was, it was fun. It was fun. It's a special program. Uh, yep. All the sports are great, but there's nothing quite like uh, RHP football, the tradition. Um, you know, people still follow it all over the country and, and the world, all the graduates who've gone on. And uh, it's yep. really, really cool. So, uh, well, Rod, what was what was uh, after high school like for you? Let's talk about kind of post high school and uh, college years and how you ended up uh, in law enforcement. Was that something that you knew right away? And how did that all kind of transpire? Hey, I'm going to close the door real quick. Hold on. Oh, sure. No worries. No worries. To get a good look at uh, Rod's wall here. Man, you got all kinds of merchandise on there. Newspaper hey, clips. The, the Derek Fisher last second shot. Derek Fisher against uh, the Spurs. That one's framed yep. nicely. Yeah. Yep. Point, yep. point four or whatever. Point three. <laughs> point three. D Fish. Point three. Yep. So, um, yeah, I went into the RHLA program after I graduated high school. Uh, I started working for Mr. Orsburn doing, you know, certain, uh, you know, odd jobs, painting Christmas cards. He, he did Christmas cards and school fundraising stuff. I would, I would work for him. I was going to Citrus College. And then uh, I started cleaning pools with Rod Heaton. I was his pool man sidekick, you know, did that. Um, I started working at UPS and UPS, I did uh, unload in the morning. So I'd have to get up at like two o'clock in the morning, you know, go do unload till like 738 and go to Citrus and uh, fail and drop classes, and, you know, <laughs> do the whole junior college thing for about six years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, so I'm at, a, I'm at an alumni basketball game and I see John Carrillo 
and I haven't seen John Creo in a few years. And we didn't have Facebook or, you know, and so we, I don't know what the dude's doing. I'm like, John, what are you doing now? Because John and I were roommates behind, we lived behind the Parkers. The Parkers had like a spare uh, detached, I guess, house kind of thing, garage. And we lived with the Parkers for like two years together. Like we were roommates. And so I see John at this alumni game a, a couple years later. I'm like, John, what are you doing? He's like, I'm a cop in uh, Cyprus. I'm like, you're a cop? He's like, yeah, I'm a cop. I'm like, what's it like? He's like, dude, you can drive fast. You get to chase people. You get to like, it's fun, dude. Like you're on a team again. You go, you're in a locker room. You're like, you get to you know, get after it with your buddies and like, you know, have fun pretty much. I'm like, he's like, you should try it. So I started applying and I, I got into uh, the LA sh- I was really close to getting hired with the LA County Sheriff's like really close. And then I applied it at Huntington beach and Huntington beach knew I was getting close to getting an offer or, a, you know, go, going to the Academy at the Sheriff's. So Huntington beach basically accelerated my background process and said, Hey, we'll offer you a, an Academy spot starting in October of 1999. Do you want to accept it? And I hadn't got an offer yet from the sheriff. So I said, yeah, I'll take it. So that's, that's what it was right there. I started, went to the Academy in 1999, Orange County Sheriff's Academy, full stress Academy, Matt. So these Academy, Barnes can probably attest to this. These academies nowadays, if a drill instructor is yelling at you, you can, as a recruit, you can pull out a card, some sort of card, and then they have to walk away from you and they can't, they can't yell at you anymore. What? Yeah. No, no, stop yes. it. Yes. I, you're yelling too much at me card? Yes. You're, you're stressing me out. I, <laughs> I, I, I need you to, I need you to, uh, I need time to, to adjust to what, what you're yelling at me for and, and uh, you have to walk away. So ah. Orange County, there's still, I believe, a full stress academy where they're like up in your face. They don't cuss at you. They don't hit you, but they try to stress you out. Cause that's what you're going to happen when you get out into the field. Right. Yeah. You can't just pull a card out when things get tough out in the field. I mean, I, I'm right. not in law enforcement, but I got to imagine, Oh, Hey, yeah. this is too stressful guys. Stop, stop, uh, yeah. whatever. No. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that's, that's what started it, man. It was John Carrillo. And I mean, I don't know how many police officers and firemen have come from Rio Hondo prep, but it's, it's quite a few, you know? Oh, big time. And it, and it, and it's based on the, I believe, the type of, you know, standards you're held to, the type of men and women they, that Rio Hondo Prep, it want, you know, wants their students and, you know, after they graduate to become. And, I mean, at Rio Hondo Prep, you are, I mean, you're, you're basically, you're pretty much groomed for those type of jobs, you know, integrity, you know, being reliable, being a leader, being, the, being those things that, are required in those jobs. Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, serving others. I mean, yes. it, the structure, John Carrillo talked about it, you know, being on a team again yeah. uh, and all that stuff. So uh, if you will, uh, while we're on the law enforcement topic, uh, let's talk about what your career has been like. I mean, the past few years specifically have been a little rough as far as the perception of law enforcement. There's plenty yeah. of people out there who, who, who love and support the blue and, and know that it's a, impossible uh, job really at times you also mentioned you listen you've heard bill barnes on here a couple times yeah. so uh 
what are your thoughts of him and just your and your law enforcement career? Yeah, so after I graduated in uh, April of 2000, I went into the you know the the field training program, and it's a six month program. You go to six different field training officers, and they basically say yay or nay. You know, they sign you off. So I get on my own. I get on a on a senior squad. So I'm on a these dudes got like 15 years or more experience, right? And I'm a brand new dude on graveyard. And but I got good days off. I got weekends off because these are all OGs, right? So I'm like, and these guys, so basically back then in 2000, after 1.32 a.m., you don't go on the radio. You don't, you don't get on the radio. You don't say anything. You don't do, you don't do nothing because those dudes are sleeping, right? But I'm new, so I'm driving around doing, trying to do stuff. And so I make like a car stop or something in this, in this OG dude comes, comes to my stop, parks behind my car and like honks his horn at me. I'm like at the car talking to this person that I stopped. Right. So I go back to see what he wants. And he shows me this, this map book, this gridded map book. He's like, you see this, you see where you're at. Do you see where my area is? Don't come into my area and make stops and then bounces just leaves. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like that, I mean, that's just the way it was back then. Right. Yeah. So after I got off that squad and got into, they, they just put me on different squads. I started really getting a niche into like, uh, uh stopping, um, dudes who were, you know, in possession of drugs. And back, back then possession of methamphetamine was a felony. Possession of heroin was a felony. It's all misdemeanors now. It's a ticket. So, you know, I got into that. I got into trying to stop gangsters and stuff like that. Just, I was into like the criminal element, stopping criminals, not like soccer moms, writing tickets, none of that. Like I, I wanted to, you know, try and stop the dude who's going to break into your car at night and, you know, steal your mail or your credit cards and stuff like that. So after about four years, um, one of my supervisors got promoted and he went into narcotics so I, he asked me, he said, Hey, he's like, put it, there's going to be an opening, put in for a nar- narcotic detective. And I did that. So I got, I made detective at about four years. So around 2004, 2005, which was like unheard of back then you had to wow. eight, eight or nine years. Yeah. So I made detective and that was, that was the funnest part of my career, man. I got <laughs> to dress down. I had a big Fu Manchu goatee. I shaved my head. I had my dickies. I had, cause Back then, Huntington Beach was like skinhead simple, right? There was all these like skinhead type dudes. It was a gang called Peni. Um, they were like, they pretty much ran Orange County, specifically Huntington Beach. And they were into, uh, you know, credit card fraud, fake checks, selling drugs, stealing cars, that sort of thing. And so we we did a lot of cases on those guys, which was so much fun, like, we did so much surveillance, so much, you know, just search warrants. And I mean, hitting a house on a search warrant, like, okay, we used a lot of informants and say, say it's my case. And I say, Hey, I call my informant. Hey, is dude home? Yeah, he's home. He's sitting on a quarter pound of meth. Um, He's got a gun in the back room or something. So we would, we would approach the house tactically we're narcotic detectives. We're not SWAT guys. Bill Barnes will know the difference. Yeah. So we'd hit, we'd go up, knock and notice police department search warrant, open the door, police department search warrant, open the door, boom, bust the door down, run in, 
on the ground, on the ground, on the ground. Just do guys, you know, bad guys be running out the windows, everything. We chase them, helicopters up. I mean, that was like a, it's like an adrenaline rush. Like I can't even explain. It was so much fun. Wow. Uh, you know, we, we see stuff on movies and television that looks pretty intense. I can't imagine doing that stuff in, in, in person. It, it's, it's, you said there's an adrenaline rush. I mean, is there a little fear as well? Because it's a dangerous situation. You don't know what's behind that door. Uh, or, or do you kind of, are you able to push aside that fear and focus more on the, the job at hand? I mean, there was no fear for me. Like I, I, I just, I, I knew that, especially if it was my case, I wanted to make the case and, you know, maybe that's not the right mentality to have. Um, they, they do it a completely different nowadays, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to get the dope. I wanted to get the scale. I wanted to get, the, I wanted to make a sales case. I wanted to get the gun. I wanted to you know get the gang enhancement. I wanted to do something where this dude's just, he's going to go away for years, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I had a, we had a team of like eight guys and everybody was like an alpha male. We're all alpha, like all the narcotic detectives in that unit at the time were all alphas. They all had the same type of mentality and they just, you know, wanted to put bad guys in jail. And, um, and it was fun. I mean, that, that, that was ultimately like the goal was to, because these bad guys, they victimize people, right? They yeah. make life miserable for them. I call them opportunists sometimes. They're just waiting for an opportunity to jump on. And if you leave your keys in your car and you run into 7-Eleven, they're going to steal your car if the opportunity presents itself, right? So, you know, I just, it, it was just my focus to try to put real bad guys in jail. And, and, and that's no, I, what I did for five years in narcotics. It sounds uh, simple enough that, you know, police go after bad guys, but um, was there an added, I don't know, motivation for you based off of where you grew up? You mentioned earlier that there was uh, you know, a lot of gang activity really in, in, in your city where you grew up. And did that kind of, I don't know, motivate you at all to try to get guys off the street who were going to be a threat to other, other people? I mean, civilians, kids, families, or, or whatever. Was there added motivation based off of kind of seeing things as a younger kid, kind of a bad, bad area? Yeah, it's pretty, man, Matt, that's, that's spot on, dude. Because like when I was, when I was little, when I was younger, like I had to be aware of my surroundings. Like seriously, like, like I, if, if I knew I was in this area, like Jeff Fairley, for instance, I would go to Jeff Fairley's house across the street from Jeff Fairley was like a, a, a family of Duroc Crips, like, like legitimate gangsters. Right. They didn't mess with me or anything, but it was just, you had to, you had to know, like if something could pop off. So you had to be aware, like going to school, you know, you just had to know where you were, where's this going by this house or going by this house. Like you just had to know like, Oh, if that car's there, then that dude's there. And so that kind of led into, I guess, instinctively when I got into police work, like, like I could just like, kind of like see a dude driving a car and he had that certain look or, you know, he had, he was all tatted up or something and it'd be like, that'd be a pretty good stop. He's got a brake light out. I do a traffic stop. Dude's on parole. He's wanted and he's got dope in the car. I mean, that, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It just, it just came like, um, naturally to me 
to to have that and that's and that's what i that's what i like that's what i like doing yeah it's uh it's interesting how many times i've heard that from police officers that you know a lot of people there's this misconception i think that you know oh cops they just want to you know go you know they all cops have this great background uh when they grew up and that you know, they just want to go after, uh, you know, poor people or whatever. And it's just like, no, no, no. Most cops, the ones I've talked to anyway, they came from a little rougher background there. They grew up and it was, this is like their way of not just giving back, but trying to make neighborhoods better than theirs was as, as a kid. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from, from cops. Are there a lot of cops who ha- have a similar experience to what you just described? Yeah, some guys I know that grew up kind of in the, uh, you know, rougher areas and things like that. I mean, it's just, I mean, so in my place, we got about, we got over 220 sworn police officers, right? So, and say maybe 100 of those work patrol, you got your detecting stuff. So, but see, you got, there's different types of guys. There's guys who just write tickets, like motorcycle guys, you know, they, all they do is write tickets and go to traffic accidents and stuff like that. They don't care about the the dude who just robbed the bank, you know, they might care, but they're not going to like heavily be involved in it. Then you got your people who just, you know, do homeless stuff. We got tons of homeless stuff in Huntington beach and they just, you know, not harass the homeless, but just kind of like deal with the homeless stuff. And then you got your people who don't do, don't do anything. They just, the cops, especially nowadays, they just sit and wait for the radio call, you know? So yeah, I mean, the guys I know who, who like still work to this day, good friends of mine, they, they still do police work. They've, they've come from, you know, I, I got a really good friend who grew up in Mexico, didn't learn the language until he was like 15 years old, went to the military, um, you know, was over in, um, in the Gulf war, I believe. And he, you know, he saw, he saw a lot of stuff, yeah. but he's a really good cop because he works his ass off because he knows where he came from and where he is now. Like, this is like being a police officer is like fun for him. And it's like, he's like, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. Like, (laughs) because, you know, like, and and it's just, there's so many different people and different, you know, you know, people's mentalities and stuff like that as cops. But I mean, for the most part, the guys I'm friends with, they, they have kind of my same mentality. Like, let's look for bad people. Let's not write people tickets for, you know, I don't know, for expired registration. Like, yeah. who cares? Like, oh, so bigger issues out there for sure. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, so you said five years, you're a narcotics detective. Uh, what what uh, happened after that or kind of where did your career go yeah. from there? So after that, I so when you're in narcotics, and gangs you only do five years because i don't know why like they 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 want to they want you to rotate out because they don't want you to get too heavily involved and because you're working with informants and stuff all the time you're reading you're doing undercover stuff so it's more of a you know we we don't want you to get too deep into whatever it is like i don't know five years that's what that's what they came up with so i go back to patrol i become a field training officer so I'm starting to train these, these new dudes, these new men and women who become cops. So this is around 2009, 2010. And I do that, um, which was pretty interesting. I, I did that for about four years. And it's funny, like seeing these new cops that were trained, that I was training, like I had a guy, 
who were in the, were Huntington Beach has this little neighborhood. It's a primarily a Hispanic neighborhood in the area of Beach and Slater. They got a couple Hispanic, uh, traditional Hispanic street gangs in there. So I see this gangster I know. We're driving around at night, and I go, "Hey, let's stop this. Stop this dude. I know he's on parole." So we stop him. Um, he's got a, probably got a warrant or something. But he starts fighting immediately. Starts fighting like literally, like like he, he's trying to get away. He's swinging and everything. And I'm I'm carefully watching my trainee to see how he reacts to this. But he's doing it in a fashion where he's he um, he's letting the guy pretty much manhandle him backup officers get there they take the guy into custody and i asked the guy the police officer i was training later i go why didn't you like strike him why didn't you hit him why didn't you just put him on the ground he's like sir i thought he had to hit me before i could hit him i'm like no bro you're, you're gonna die with that mentality you oh, don't man. have to be hit or shot at before someone does something you know you handle it to end it like he's resisting you end it right then as quick as possible as safe as possible and so i mean that's what they were kind of teaching in the academy there's i believe they're scaring these young young kids who want to be police officers like liability you're gonna get sued you're gonna go to jail you're gonna lose your house like all these things i'm like if your heart is in the right place if you believe you're doing the right thing you're gonna be fine like you're you're gonna be fine you can explain it you can write it in a police report in you'll be fine. But they're just so, especially this guy, he's just really scared. He's never been in a fight before. This, this guy's never been in a fight. So, wow. you know, I kind of get to see stuff like that. So I did that for <laughs> about four years, promoted, went back into detectives as a gang detective. And now, now I'm working as a gang detective, but I'm with the narcotic detectives. So I'm with, I'm with guys I trained in the field now they're detectives with me so that that was kind of cool you know oh that's neat yeah so i did that and that i mean that was that was interesting i did that um for about four and a half years um doing gang cases so we would have so we had our gangs in huntington beach and by this time all the skinheads and all that they're pretty much non-existent they're either dead or in prison so our his the hispanic gang in Huntington Beach was, you know, primarily what we focused on and they would, we would have shootings. We would have, you know, shootings on, you know, mo mostly weekends and stuff like that. We get called out. We'd have to come in, interview people, um, stuff like that. But, um, so recently, um, I was about, let's say September. So September of 2020, I'm driving in the, in, we call the neighborhood, the, the, the little gang neighborhood. And I see, I see two gangsters. I know they're in this car and I'm like driving. I see them and they do this, the, you know, straight ahead, straight ahead stare. Like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm like, Hey, and I know the dude. I'm like, Hey, homie, stop the car right there. You're not, they're both on parole. They're not supposed to be together. And so, um, <laughs> the passenger, takes a sip of his beer. He's got a tall boy, takes a sip of his beer, looks at me, puts it down, bounces out the car. He's gone. Oh. And this dude never runs. So I'm thinking he's, he's probably got a gun, right? So I put it out. The, the driver backs up, takes off, pursuits on. So I'm in pursuit of this dude. Um, we're driving. 
he's driving, you know, kind of, eh, kind of crazy, trying to, you know, obviously get away. Um, we're, it's about a mile and a half pursuit, two mile pursuit. The dude just slams on the brakes. The driver slams on the brakes. I crash into this guy. Airbag goes off on me. My car's disabled. He drives off because his car's not disabled. I rear ended him. And he, he turns a corner and he crashes. He could have got away. He crashes the helicopters up. We get him. And he tells the, um, he tells the officers, like, why do you slam on your brakes? He's like, because I knew if, because I was pretty close to him. He's like, I knew if, if he crashed into me, his airbags would go off and the car would be disabled. Like these guys talk about this stuff. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that, that was pretty crazy. And um, I had, I just recently had uh, from that and from other, you know, fights and stuff I've been in, I had neck uh, surgery. I had uh, my spine, my uh, C6 or C4, 5, 6, and 7 fused and three discs replaced on my neck. So I, I just came off that surgery in June. So I'll be off for a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, I can't like, I can't wait to get back to work. I love doing what I do. You know, I'm 47. I can retire at 50 if I want, but I want to try and max out and go eight more years. But I mean, it's like the climate you said the past few years is whatever, but the people in Huntington beach, the real people who live there, the citizens, they love the police, you know, they support the police and, you know, coworkers of mine are like, Bazoozy, bro, you need to shut it down. Like stop chasing these fools. I'm like, I'm not going to sit in a parking structure and wait for radio calls, bro. I'm going to go out and work. I don't care. Like, I'm going to do my thing. That's what I do. That's how I train people to do. I'm not going to, you know, you know, say one thing when I get a trainee, like, hey, you know, let's be proactive. And then when I don't have a trainee, not be proactive. You know, that doesn't set the right example. So, you know, I love being an FTO. The, uh, it's basically at my place. If you're an FTO, you, you get sergeant's pay. So it's like a 25% pay increase when you have a, when you have a trainee. So, and if you're a good FTO, they give you trainees all the time. So that's, that's what I like doing. It's yeah. basically coach. It's coaching them up, Matt. You're, all I'm doing coaching, is coaching them up. Yeah. This is just like, uh, you know, RHLA coaching, uh, coaching kids or whatever. Yeah. That's coaching them up. Yeah. And I'm coaching, I'm coaching little man right now. So little man, he's in pop Warner, he's eight and I'm on a, uh, so this is interesting. So I'm on a coaching staff with a guy who's 57, another guy who's probably around 50 and me. And then the, uh, the head coach's adult son. And these guys have no ties. They have no kids in the program, no kids on the team. I'm the only one that has a kid on the team and I'm an assistant coach. So I'm like, this is the first time I've ever had coaches who don't have kids on the team. This is going to be like real football, right? Like at, at the eight, nine-year-old level, like <laughs> these coaches aren't going to, you know, play daddy ball. They're going to figure out the best 11 and those guys are going to play. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm so looking forward to this season, especially after, you know, not having football this last, this last year, Pop Warner football. So yeah, yeah my, my little, my little guys really looking forward to it. You allow your kids to play tackle football, Rod. Yes, that, is, that is, that yes, is so unbelievable. I can't, that is so reckless of you. Yes, we do. We, we play tackle football. We do basketball. We do Amen. baseball. We do junior lifeguards in the summer. We do. Oh, wow. Yeah, we, we do it all. Man, that is, uh, that is awesome. That is very cool. Uh, yeah, Jay, Dave Joe told me uh, you, you love the beach. I mean, you're living down there at the beach. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Wow. So boarding so stories actually, and stuff. Oh, so Ken Lee, my boy Ken Lee, um, 
he got, he's really, he was really into the ocean and the beach and he started bodyboarding um, probably back in, you know, 93, 94, I guess. And so I would start going with him and I got hooked instantly. Like, you know, bought a wetsuit, fins, a boogie board. And we started going quite a bit and we would go. <laughs> so Care Youth Church started at nine o'clock, right? In the summer. Oh yeah, that's right. It was hot, too hot. <laughs> Ride waves to around 7.38, drive back to uh, Arcadia and go to Care Youth Church. Once that's done, back down to Newport Beach and ride some more waves. You did it in, oh, sorry, the internet cut out a little there. You did it in the morning before church, went yep. to, and then and then went back? Yep, on Sundays, yep. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we were, I was addicted. And we would go to this place called The Wedge. And have you heard of The Wedge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we would go there and, and Ken, Ken wasn't too uh, fond of The Wedge when it was like over 10 feet, but I loved it. And uh, so once we, once we started going, once I started going to the wedge, like I would just go solo. Like I'd go, I'd go as much as I would. Sometimes I would work at UPS, get off at six thirty, seven o'clock, skip class at Citrus College and go, go down to wedge and ride wedge. And, <laughs> and, and, and just like, I'm sure that's probably part of the reason my neck is messed up, you know, yeah. just getting pounded by those waves. But um. It was fun. And now my 16 year old, he, he rides wedge. So it's pretty Love cool it. seeing him out there. And 47 years, uh, years old. Do you still get out there in the ocean a little bit? I'll get out in the ocean, but I'm not going to wedge. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get broke off. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of damaged parts already. Um, that, that's so funny. Um, yeah. Live in orange County and just the beach area is great down there. Uh, let's see. I had a few, questions for or not questions i asked some of your peers for some topics and questions so we can bounce around a few right now just some quick memories uh if you will uh todd carson he said ask him about the bike ride to mount care i've never seen him more exhausted and bitter uh ah. the varsity didn't have to go just the jvs yes so mr <laughs> horton comes up with this brilliant idea let's ride bikes to mount care oh no, no. yeah so, and I had like this hoopty bike, 10 speed, whatever, you know, and, um, like some guys bought bikes for this thing and we wake up at like the crack of dawn at care. And we, I don't know how Mr. Horton mapped this thing out, but he mapped it out and we start riding to Mount care. And by the time we got to, uh, the mountain part of the, the ride, it started, the sun started setting. And by this time, I'm walking, dude. Like I'm pushing the bike. I'm not riding the bike because it's so steep. Finally get to the top, ride into Wrightwood, at, into the actual town. And that some, uh, Mr. Horton's like, hey, Par uh, Mr. Parsons is going to come with the Jeep or a truck or something. And he's going to put our bikes in and he'll, he'll take you guys up. I'm like, no, I'm, I made it this far. I'm riding up or I'm walking up. So I think myself and Dave Lemons were the only ones that made it actually from Arcadia care youth league all the way up to Mount care. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like 1130 at night and all the varsity guys, all the varsity guys are asleep. <laughs> so, and then we hiked home that same trip. 
that same, we hiked from Mount Gear all the way to uh, Chantry Flats and got picked up. Stop three days, three days. I, yep. I have hiked home from Mount Care. We did that a couple times, actually, but never a bike ride up there. Yeah, yeah that's ridiculous. Yes, it sounds a little bitter, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, again, a story I don't quite believe, but I, I know it's true. Uh, yeah. Todd also talked to me about you and uh, you. Again, you became closer friends with Todd and Pete and these guys after high school, really. Uh, he said you guys used to go to a lot of Dodger games and you'd buy those cheap seats and then try to sneak down. He said the seventh inning was kind of the – the cutoff as far as ushers not caring as much. You got a lot of memories of that? Oh, man. I, did, I think I came up with the idea. So anyway, so Todd, me, Todd, um, would go to a lot of Dodger games. And Todd, like, Todd had this red, broke down truck. Like, I'm like, Todd, are we going to even make it to the – do you remember the truck? I don't know. He had a few, it's, so probably. Dude, he had this truck that was like – was like some Datsun or something like Tom we can't even drive on the freeway with this thing dude so we we would go to games we get to, to the game Dodger Stadium six dollar pavilion seats right the best, the best. right field or left field six dollars now they're like a hundred and ten dollars so anyway we sit in the in the pavilion and I started looking over at like the field level and these the, these people would start leaving like in the fifth inning I'm like where are these people going? They're leaving. They're like leaving the game. And then the score is like three, two. I'm like, all right. I go, Todd, let's go down there. And once they, once they leave, we'll catch the door and we'll just go in. And so, <laughs> and so we started doing that. We got caught a couple times. We did. But then like Todd said, like after the seventh or something, like we might miss an inning or two, but like after the seventh, the us just like, go ahead. Dude. Like we don't care. Cause a lot of like, that's what Dodger fans are known for. Right. Leaving like in the, six seventh inning right ridiculous so we would go and we would bro we would sit like behind the dugout like literally behind the dodger dugout there was no netting there was no like oh you're gonna get hurt for, for a foul ball like we would <laughs> sit there and it was like man i loved it dude like i would we would try to go to so many games as possible best six dollars you ever spent best time. six dollars ever spent man. oh man i remember that spent- the pavilion, the top deck, those are both $6 now. I haven't been to a yeah. game in a long time. But, yeah, you, you try to sneak down. Todd was always good about that. I went to the College World Series with him. We we walked uh, always looking for those uh, those yeah. better seats. Upgrade, the free upgrade. Yeah, and we would eyeball them. So we would eyeball the seats from, like, the pavilion. We're like, okay, those those four seats right there, no one's been in those seats <laughs> for a couple innings. Let's just try and go. We would, like, stagger down. Like, you know, we wouldn't go. We wouldn't make it obvious. We would kind of, like, try to – be discreet about it but yeah man we got some we got some up close action at dodger stadium man quite a few times oh yeah especially the summertime actually me and my friends were that way in college too we we didn't have much money either we would just try to get to as many games possible and uh so much fun dodger baseball pete clark asked this question uh he says who who is your favorite baseball player or maybe a couple uh growing up uh since you went to so many baseball games well um so my favorite dodger was mike piazza mike piazza was like you know barely drafted italian italian thing italian thing yes (laughs) you know drafted as a favor of tommy lasorda whatever and became you know an all-star hall of famer i don't know why they traded him but whatever so and then i was a big daryl strawberry guy i don't know what it was maybe it's because i was on the mets um, Greg Loomis's team um, when I was in junior high. Oh, but yeah. 
I'll do it. But I but I'd love Daryl Strawberry in the Mets won the World Series, I believe in eighty six. Yep. So um you know that and I like Doc Gooden. I like that. I just like that team. Like these they were like a hard like hard nose, you know, just obviously we know now they partied all the time and you know <laughs> did coke and booze every single day, but whatever. That documentary but, um, was great, right? Yeah. Doc and Daryl. Oh man, that yeah, was good. That was awesome. And so and I was, I was like, I was, I loved his style. I loved his swing. I loved, he was from SoCal, Crenshaw High School, you know, a local guy. And when he got traded to the Dodgers, oh man, dude, that was like, that was, that I couldn't believe it. And then when Eric Davis got traded to the Dodgers and those dudes were in the outfield for maybe 20 games that season together because <laughs> they got injured all the time. I mean, but it was like, it was cool, man. And I mean, I remember sneaking down one time. I don't know. I, I think Todd was there. Um, we're right behind the Dodger dugout and strawberry hits like a walk-off home run. And like, you know, they, they didn't really rush the field back then, but he comes in and all the teammates go out and he does an interview. I'm like, you know, good job straw. And he's like, you know, does the, you know, salute type thing. And I mean, it was cool, man. Like he, he was my dude. And it's funny. I follow him on Instagram now. I don't know if he's a big time, like uh, Christian, he's like a minister. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's changed his life. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got uh, addiction and recovery type homes for people, you know? And so, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I've never met the man, but it's like, it's good to see somebody who's been through so much, just turn their life around and become somebody who can by experience help other people. And that's, that's pretty oh, yeah. cool. Definitely a guy worth rooting for and to see, yeah, the transformation that that documentary went into a little bit of that at the very end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dodger baseball. I was, I liked P I was a little kid. I loved Piazza. We could do a whole podcast rod on stupid Dodger trades. I mean, it would, it yeah. would, take, it would take forever, but um, uh, we'll talk about other sports, uh, why you became a big sports fan, but, or, or how, you know, that all came about, but uh, while we're on the topic of the Dodgers, the uh, the defending world champion uh, Dodgers, I, it was a weird season last year. But what did that mean for you for to see them win the title finally so, after 1988? So, in uh, when was it the Astros? That was 2017. 17, yes. So I went to Game One, Game Six, and Game Seven, and quite a bit of money spent on those tickets to take the family. Right. Oof. So, you know, that was obviously disappointing and, and you know, cheat gate, whatever, like, <laughs> you know, I, whatever, if, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Right. Like yeah. Jim Rome always says that if you're not cheating, you're not trying, whatever. So, uh, I mean, last year was like, I don't know, dude, I, I, I I'm a, I'm a huge Dodger fan, but I want to see them win it outright, like legitimately win it outright 162 game season. Right. right? Yeah, let's no let's 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 do that. You know, let's really, really win it. I mean, they got the rings, they got the championship trophy, whatever. They probably deserved it in 2017 if dudes were beating drums and stuff like that. So <laughs> but uh, I mean, your boy Barnes, though, predicted they won't make the playoffs. So he's screwed now. They got Scherzer. They got Trey Turner. I, I mean, did you see that game last night or did you? Uh, you know what happened? I saw they got shut out on Monday against the Ast the Asterisk. And then uh, I think. Uh, we're recording on a Thursday here. Uh, and then Wednesday, they, they beat Houston, didn't they? They did, yeah. Put up some runs finally? Four home runs, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I'll say this. The Dodgers, 
they're not afraid to spend money and, and make no. some deals anymore. That's the thing. No. they do. I can't believe they brought in all these guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Barnes, uh, Barnes is an expert in his own mind sometimes, <laughs> but I love having him on the program weekly. Oh man. yeah. You know, Hey, can you imagine Barnes with the, cause we all wear body cams now, right? Could you imagine Barnes wearing a body cam when he worked? Oh my God. I gotta, I gotta he'd bring be fired. that up. Like he, oh. He'd be like in federal penitentiary. One week, one week he'd last. <laughs> I love his, hey, his. I've never met the man, but I know the man. It's funny. Like I, there's dudes like Barnes in my work, right? Old yeah. salty vet dudes who, you know, and it's like, yeah, I know Barnes. I know Barnes. I, you know, he, he, he seems like a cool dude. Like just he's awesome. Tells it like it is, man. First time I met him, I was, I think he was, he just retired at like from the PD and we were working some baseball game together. And like the first inning, someone pops off in the dugout and he just lights them up. I'm like, Oh my goodness. And then he's, is he using, can you like cuss at the other uh, managers or they're cussing at you? No, seriously. Uh, Well, um, unofficially, no. uh, Yeah. You're not, it's frowned upon. You're not supposed to use uh, that, that type of language. And my work is the same thing, but we do it all the time. But uh, you know, uh, hostile environments sometimes cause uh, hostile language, you know? Uh, so uh, we've all, yeah, said things we probably regret. Me, uh, you know, you guys in law enforcement, of course, but uh, yeah, I, I love him. Um, he's on here a bit. I, when I first brought him on, you know, retired cop, I'm going to have him on weekly. He's going to say some outlandish things. And I can't believe how many like Carry Youth League real Hondo people love him. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, dude, his midget, or sorry, little people uh, <laughs> story, bro, I was laughing my ass off. I could not believe, I'm like, he's making this shit up. And, but I'm like, he's pretty detailed, so he's probably not making this up, you know? No. In this whole, in this whole like, have you been to Hollywood on screen test, screen testing these dudes? Like, Barb, you can't do that. You can't no. talk about, I guess you can now, you're retired, but like... <laughs> That's what I love him. He's retired. He yeah. can say, talk, talk about yeah. stuff. He's like, what are they going to do to me now? Yeah, what are I'm they like, going to do? <laughs> what's, what's the statute of limitations on screen screen pl- placing somebody? <laughs> <laughs> I, try, I try to come up with questions because some of his stories, yeah, I don't believe either. I'm like, oh, no, he's, he's telling it right on because uh, it always, fact checks always seem to come true. Um, yeah. but anyway, no, I, I appreciate that you as a current officer listening to, to, to Barnes and a few officers have said that. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't know the guy, but we know him or whatever the, the phrase was. Uh, so Rod, what about other sports? Uh, big Laker fan I see behind you, um, USC football, Dave, Joe, talked to me about, uh, you loving the USC football and, uh, have you just kind of been this all around LA sports guy? Did you love it more as you got older? Well, I mean, growing up. I'm a Dodger fan, I'm a Laker fan, and I'm a Raider fan. At 47, I'm a Dodger fan, I'm a Laker fan. Well, the Lakers, uh, we'll talk about that, but and sure. I'm a Raider fan. So, I mean, just going to Dodger games, like going, selling your 30 circus tickets to go to the Dodger game, right? Yes, yes. Like, and back then, that was the only game I went to. Mm-hmm. I'm an eight-year-old kid. I go to one game a year, that's selling my circus tickets. Same no one's here. taking my no one's taking me to a Dodger game, right? Like, <laughs> unless I get super lucky. So, um, you know, that's how it started. And, you know, then winning the World Series, you know, I was in junior high. That was, that was amazing. Hey, was Todd Carson at the Kirk Gibson walk-off game? He was. He was, right? Yeah. He casually talks about it too. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. I'm like, that was like one of the biggest moments in yeah. all of baseball. He went with a dude named Dusty Lane, whose parents, I believe dad had season tickets. Okay. That's who he went with, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so... 
you know, just seeing that and being a part, you know, being able to watch that. I mean, I'm a Dodger fan. Like I'll always be a Dodger fan. You know, my little guy, he's, he's a Dodger fan, but he's an angel fan because guess who the angels have Mike Trout and Otani. Right. And yeah. they, they're 30 minutes away from my house. You know, it's easy to get to. So we'll go to some angel games too, but I'm a Dodger fan. Laker Lakers, you know, the eighties being a Laker fan was, Oh my goodness, dude. It was amazing. I would go after church with uh, Scott Moore, Jeff Fairley to Scott Moore's like he lived with a bunch of like college guys and we would watch the Laker game, turn down the, uh, the volume and put on Chick Hearn. Yes. That's, what, that's how, yes. that's how you did it. Right. Same here, baby. You know? and I mean, so, I mean, you know, going on that 87 trip, we went back to Boston and where everybody's sporting their all our, you know, for <laughs> us, we're all sporting our Lakers stuff, walking around Boston. And it was, you know, I mean, that was like nobody got traded back then. Like Magic's not getting traded. Michael Cooper's not getting traded. Like these dudes are dudes on this team. Like they're not going anywhere, right? There's no super teams. Super and team, so, yeah. yeah. But like the Shaq and Kobe era, like I would go to a lot of games with Dave. And to me, that was still basketball. That was still just running an offense, using your big man. Big man's not shooting three pointers. Big man's down low trying to dunk on somebody right you know just you know basketball and you know the Kobe era and that whole thing after Shaq left I mean, if to me it was still basketball and Kobe everybody knows Kobe like he's just the I mean he, he he's a machine like he operated so differently than these guys do today right and like I honestly Matt this last year and all of this year I didn't watch one Laker game, dude. And it's just, I didn't have a desire to, I really didn't care. And, you know, I don't want to get all political and stuff, but it's like, like these guys, like LeBron James, right? Like he, you know, a police officer, I forget where it was, shoots and kills somebody who had a gun or something, or was actually, he was stabbed. He was shooting. Kai Bryant. Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. was stabbing another female right? Trying to kill her. And the police officer shoots and kills the person who's stabbing the, you know, the victim and LeBron James, basically this cops like puts this cop on blast. Like you're next. You're, you, 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 it should be you. Like, how do you even like know what this police officer, his mindset at the time, he's trying to save someone's life. Like what, what is he supposed to do? What do you think he's supposed to do LeBron James? Like, so whatever, man, like, I'm just not, I'm just, it, it's kind of a, kind of like a, you know, turnoff. Like I'm not like really into it. And especially the way they play basketball nowadays, it's just like shoot a three, shoot a three, shoot a three. Don't play defense. <laughs> don't play defense. Like it's, it's just not fun to watch. No. And, and, you know, I think the game has changed so much in like the physical side of it. I mean, a yeah. guy gets, a guy gets like brushed now and he actually, he wants to chest up with someone like he's going to actually do something too. It's like, yeah. dude, I mean, the eighties, there was no flagrant fouls. There was none of yeah. that stuff. I mean, yeah. even it's spilling into the, now everything is so soft. And I think guys are making, I mean, 40, $50 million a year and then want to be all tough. And it's like, it's so, I don't know. It's watered down. It's not real. It's unauthentic, inauthentic to me. Yeah. So I, I've been fine not watching NBA basketball. Yeah. I haven't missed it. Yeah, neither have I. Neither have I. 
it's uh, it's sad because it was my favorite thing to do. I even more than Dodger baseball than the NFL. Uh, it was usually three or four games a week. Usually, you know, Tuesday, Wednesdays, I'm at Friday nights, that Sunday afternoon game was always a big deal. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's just kind of, I've moved on from it sadly. And, uh, yeah, I am no fan of LeBron James, even, even before all this nonsense with him. I mean, I just, I never really liked the guy. Uh, so when he came to Lakers, I was like, Oh, there it is. There's my moment to, uh, to, uh, walk away, I guess. Uh, what about uh, USC football and, and your, your Raiders, your Raiders moving to, to Las Vegas? I think it's a great fit there. You're yeah. a big football guy on the weekends? Yeah, like, um, like I would go to a lot of SC games with David Joe, bring my son, and <clears throat> we'd probably go to almost every home game. Um, you know, the Reggie Bush, Matt Liner era, like I witnessed that, like, um, you know, those – those were some, those were some fun years going And you know, went to the orange bowl with Dave, went to the Rose bowl when they lost to uh, Texas, when uh, I don't know why they ran Lindell white, but whatever, like, you know, just, you know, th- those were, those were some fun times. And Even though that was a loss that had to be such a cool experience to oh, be. Oh yeah. We were, we were set. We sat next to some Texas fans and they were bawling their eyes out their team one. Like wow. it was just, it was cool. We were congratulating them, you know, like, you know, great game. Like, this is like, this is probably one of the best college football games, like, you know, probably top 10. I would, oh, yeah. I would believe, you know, so it's got getting to see that and getting to see what Dave was pretty cool. Was the orange uh, bowl against Oklahoma. That's the one Oklahoma. you went to the national championship. Yeah. I, yeah. Fun fact. I was actually at Pete Clark's house. He had us over. He was doing some crab legs or something, you know, cause they were playing his, uh, his beloved Sooners. And, uh, you know, I think Oklahoma won the coin toss and that's about, uh, at, and then it was all over from there. Yeah. I don't know if they won or not, but, uh, poor, poor Pete Clark. Did you, did you rub it into your good buddy, uh, after that game? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Didn't SC have to, didn't SC have to vacate that championship because of Bush? I don't, you know, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. I yeah. think they had to, yeah, I think they had to go back you know. in time or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't take yeah. away what happened on a field. I think. No, but that was yeah, fun they, watching that with Pete. Yeah. And so the Raiders, um, I, you know, obviously they were in Los Angeles when I was a kid and that was, you know, Marcus Allen and Bo Jackson. I mean, Oof. Oh my goodness, dude. So I went to, um, a friend of mine got tickets and he didn't have anybody to take them. So I asked my grandfather, which was my father's father. Can you please take us to the Raider game? We have like four tickets. This was, do you know who Tim Brown is? Oh yeah. 81. Yeah. 81. Okay. Notre Dame guy. This was his rookie year. This is his first game as a Raider runs back like the kickoff or a punt, you know, scores like three touchdowns. And I was like, man, that, this is, this is awesome. Like I'm, you know, I'm a Raider fan. And then, you know, Bo Jackson, that, you know, whole era, that was, that was cool. And then once it went up to Oakland, we, my wife and I went to a few games up there, um, had a big Super Bowl party at my house when the Raiders played the uh, Buccaneers and lost. Um, and yeah, I mean, Vegas, like I've driven by that stadium and I'm like, dude, I got to get in. I got to see oh. what that stadium's like. Oh yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah. And so my, my, my older son, we started going on football trips when he was probably eight years old. So first game we went to, he's, he's an Eagles fan. I don't know how, I don't know why he's like LaShawn McCoy back in the day, whatever. He's an Eagles fan. Right. (laughs) So we go to Eagles. We've been to an Eagles uh, Raider game, Eagles, Arizona Cardinals, um, 
Eagles at Dallas. That stadium's amazing. I um, went there so last year. I went there uh, no, t- two years ago with my brother to a Rams game. That was awesome. Yeah. Isn't that stadium like, it's, oh just, my. it's, it's so nice. It's, it's so big in person and it's just one huge party. The outside here. I'm yes. just like, wow, this is football yeah. heaven. Yeah. So we've gone, we did, we've gone to some games. Um, I mean, just football in general, NFL's like, I kind of call it like it's flag football with pads on now. Cause <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what everything's like just aired out. Like you can't, you can't tackle anybody legitimately anymore because you're going to get a penalty. Like, you know, it's all offensive, you know, scoring, scoring, scoring. So, you know, that, that I don't really like that much, but whatever, it's still fun to watch. No, it absolutely is. And uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you this, uh, you know, Gruden better start producing their, their rod yeah. uh, or that hundred million dollar contract. I mean, he's, he's got the money either way, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I've seen they, they're in a tough division. I'll tell you that. I'll yeah. say that <laughs> the chiefs and the chargers, especially, yeah. uh, but I'm excited. Football season's coming. It seems like, I don't know, during football season, I think everyone's more happy. I don't know what it is. You have that yeah. natural and, weekend. And for me, I get Friday night lights. I get Saturday pop Warner and I get NFL Sunday and then I'm getting Monday. And you know what I mean? Like, it's like, and let's, you want to talk some, like, can I talk local high school football where I'm at? Absolutely. You're in a rich area. Down so, there. so local high school football where I'm at, my son's at Elisa Nagel high school. Okay. He, Elisa Nagel high school has, it's a huge high school. probably has like 4,500 students. Their football program is not very good. I mean, they're okay, but they make the playoffs, but they go round one, round two, they get bounced. Because if you're a dude, you go to Mission, you go to J. Sarah, you go to Modern Day, you go to, you know, these Capital Valley, you go to these schools where guys transfer like crazy now. I, I don't even understand it. Like, do you, like, when you were a CIF official, did you know, like, man, this receiver was on this team last year. Now he's on this team. Like, would you guys ever pay attention to that stuff as an official? Yeah. Oh, big time. I mean, there were, there were kids, I, I swear to you, there was a few kids that four different, went to four different high schools. And yeah. You, and you how saw do they them. even, how do they even do that? What kind of waiver do they get? Cause I know you got to sit at least five or six games. There was to. always, there guys always seem to find a loophole. There was a, okay. you know, a grandma's address right. or okay. hardship here. You know, it was funny. The guys that were able to do it. Um, and it's just, I don't like it. I, I wish more players played in there community now i know rio is a private school from a lot of different communities but there's just no like allegiance to i don't know where you're there's no loyalty yeah it's not there no and so so at elisa nagel where my son is last year they got a new head coach and it was the covid spring season they had five games they went oh and five they lost they lost all five games right my son played varsity as a sophomore like and so i mean that kind of shows you right there like you know, it's, it's just, if they had that, like, if, like you said, if you had the people in my city who are Laguna Niguel, Lisa Viejo, who are supposed to go to that school, the kids who are supposed to go to that school, go to that school and play football, then they would be a good football team. But <laughs> it's just, it, it's just, it's just not that way, you know? And like, so it's cool because I, what, that's not cool, but what's cool is like last year, um, five games we played all we played the all the local all, all the local uh, schools we played San Clemente, Tribuco Hills, Capo Valley, Tesoro and 
every team, oh, and we played El Toro, every team had a kid on the team that I coached when they were in Pop Warner with my son, CJ. And so we would get pictures of them all together in their high school uniforms after the games. And that was the, and they're like, Hey coach, what's up coach? You know, like, you know, hugging it out and stuff. And it's like, it's so cool to see that these kids I coach when they're little kids, now they're in high school and they're like, they're role players. They're actually playing, you know? And we told them, we told them long ago, like when they first started, like, Hey guys, the ultimate goal for you guys as coaches, as we want is we want you guys, if you continue to play, football we want you to have that high school experience because there's nothing like it you may be good enough to go in college but if you go to if you play high school football you're a part of that team you're a part of that community you're part of that high school like and if you know if you're a dude you're gonna like people are gonna like know who you are at your high school which is kind of cool right yeah you know and so you know we're i mean i'm i'm so looking forward to this season um it's start they started pads this week at the high school level, he's got a scrimmage next week against San Clemente. Then, then the season pops off. We're in Huntington Beach on the ninth, on the twentieth, I think, and then eleven game schedule from there. So, I mean, we're excited. He's playing linebacker and tight end both ways. So it goes quick, cool. man. It goes yeah, quick. It goes you know quick. That, uh, yep. it, we used to say when we were refereeing football Friday nights, it's the fastest uh, eleven. Fridays of the season. Cause you blink yeah. and the season's over and you know, you're looking forward to it again. So uh, best of luck to him and, and uh, his teammates down there. And yeah, I think there is this, like, I hate using the, there's a crisis for everyone says, Oh, it's a crisis, this crisis, that. So I hate using that word, but I think to your point, kids are transferring to the bigger schools and then kids aren't playing football in the numbers that we're used to. We've seen over the years. So the product has diminished a little bit because of the combination uh, of those. Let's check this out. His freshman year, at Elisa Miguel, 70 kids go out for the, are on the, on the freshman team. Six kids out of the 70 have played tackle football. All the rest were flag or first time players. That's crazy to me. Oh yeah. Like that's, that's just like, I mean, I know concussions. I know, you know, all this, you know, it's all scary stuff, right? Everything's so scary, but it's like these helmets, these, Helmets these have, they have these days for these kids. They're amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got helmets now. They'll, if they register a type of hit, like a, say, a hard hit, they have sensors on the sideline to know which helmet it is. They'll pull the kid off and they'll do like a concussion protocol with them. <laughs> what yeah, they, in the world? Yeah, dude. Like, so it's like, that's the technology they have. And, and still, people are still scared to play, you know, have their kids play oh, tackle football. Goodness. A little different. A little different than the helmet you and I used to rent from oh, the, uh, yeah. the shed, right? At yeah, from the shed, yeah. <laughs> hey, get that cracked helmet over there. It's okay. It's got a little crack, not a big you crack. <laughs> <laughs> There's no certifying helmets or anything. It's like, it's crazy, dude. And But, you know, it's still like, like I, I'm really good friends with a guy at my work. Um, he went to ASU. He played with Pat Tillman, dude. He huddled oh. up with Pat Tillman. And so, yeah. And so we always talk like, you know, something like we'll just talk and we'll talk, we'll like look at guys we work with and stuff like that dude's never been in the huddle. Cause you, I mean, you just know, like, you know, Matt, you play football. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like, I, you know I, I how totally it is. get it. You know, yeah. Know how it is to be in a huddle. Oh like, yeah. You know what that means to be in a huddle. And it's like, you could just kind of tell like, man, that dude's never huddled up with anybody. Like, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And so I love it. Like, and, and that's what I like about 
my job. I mean, obviously everything has changed, but I go into a locker room. We talk shit with each other. The music's playing. <laughs> we're changing out. Like it's cool. It's being part of the team again, you know? Yeah. And so for these kids to just be in a huddle, to be on a team and to, to learn these lessons through football, through sports is it's, I think we need more of it, but oh. you know, getting away from it. So I know character building through adversity. What a concept, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I, I learned more on a football field than I did in any classroom. And I, I will take that to my grave. Hands same, same here, dude. Yeah. And it's just, you know, adversity, you know, um, being a good teammate, you know, uh, working together as a team, you know, just those things are just, you know, that, and that's what now at the pop Warner level, I'm coaching these eight, nine year old kids. That's what we're trying to do. And that's what we do daily, you know, you know, love if, it, man. You don't, if you don't block this guy, your teammate's going to get potentially hurt because you didn't make your block. Come on, man. You got to block this guy, you know, just stuff like that, you know, but ultimate team game. Uh, you yeah. got to love it. man. Now, now I'm itching for football uh, here to come up soon. Uh, we're recording here in August. This will air in a few weeks, but uh, you, you said earlier, Rod, that you were, you know, you're a fan of the podcast. You listen. I mean, who are some of the people that have, that have stood out to you? or the favorite podcast you've listened to since you got a little later start, of course. But uh, when you reached out to me, uh, I, I was just blown away that uh, guys like you have listened. Cause we've never met and yeah. you know, to hear, you know, you listen to some of the uh, real episodes and all the episodes really, but who are some of that have stuck out to you? Yeah, I really like, uh, I like Todd. I mean, Todd Carson. I like his interviews. I, I, I mean, I didn't, truly know some of the things Todd was dealing with. And I, and I just, um, once he, you know, opened up about it, I was like, man, Todd's a brave dude. You know, Todd's, Todd's a stand up guy to, to, to put out there what he was dealing with. And I completely respect that, you know? Yeah. I mean, Mark talking about his, you know, you've had him on a few times talking about real final prep football, high school football. I love the one where you were at the, the poly game and you're interviewing AJ. And I, I had AJ, I, I had AJ at uh, when he was at Pearl prep, I did the after school program there. So I'm, I'm pretty cool with him. Oh, nice. And just inter yeah. Interviewing those guys before and after the game. That's pretty awesome. I'm sure that was a, an amazing game to be at mm. and you got luck, lucky enough to be there. So that was pretty cool. I like that one. I like the John. I like all the Lee boys, you yeah. know, all the Lee boys was great. Um, Mr. Lee, you know, that was great. Patricio. Oh man. That yeah. Was, that was awesome. You know, sharp. Um, and I like your Cal state Fullerton, uh, well, the professional photographer, I forget his name. Oh, uh, Matt Brown. Yeah. Matt Brown. That was, that was awesome. I, I think I even sent you a little message on that. He was, he was, he was, he was awesome. Bernanski. I didn't know that Bernanski. The, I remember Tom Bernanski, the, the baseball player, but I didn't know he had a brother who was a pitcher. Yeah. He seems like he's a fun guy to probably hang out with and have a couple beers with. Big Joe, yeah, yeah, a couple, uh, yeah, a couple dozen maybe. <laughs> big, he's a big guy. I could put him back. It was a yeah, good time yeah. with Joe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm still catching up. Like I just listened the other day to your uh, Linfield Christian coach. That dude seems like squared away. That, oh yeah. Um, that 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 was a good one. He, I mean, all the coach like he coached Landon Goodwill over at yeah. UTEP and. Just that was I like that one because I like listening to coaches. I like other coaches, you know what, how they run their programs and, and what their uh, philosophies are. Right, like different coaches have different philosophies, and I like listening to that type of stuff. 
Um, I interviewed the Citrus, the new Citrus College head football coach recently. He'll be on soon. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, I like I like Paul Clark's. Paul Clark's funny. Paul is. I remember Paul is the character. I, I was at his house when his agent, when he basically signed his contract. <laughs> I was there. You know, I'm like, I go, hey Pete, how long do you think of, how long do you think PC will be gone for? Pete's like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> i think he was back in like three weeks or something <laughs> so but that's hilarious um but uh i mean you know having having him on it just yeah dude like dave joe man i thought dave was a little uh, that dave is a professional like he is like a professional but he needed to get like loosened up a little bit like he was too like corporate job interview type dude that's what i thought so whatever but i love dj dj's my boy yeah but um yeah man i'm i'm i'm, I'm still catching up i'm cool. still catching up yeah uh, the lee boys are fun i want and i'm gonna have some repeat guys come back on you know that now that it's been over a year and still working on uh you know new new guests such as yourself too and and right. so we're gonna keep this thing going and i, I am gonna try to have a Mark Carson on during the football season. The plan is to have him on Mondays kind of looking back at last week's game and looking forward to the next week's game and just kind oh, okay. of keep people informed of uh, what's cool. going on with Rio. So that's the plan. So we'll see if hey, it works out. So we have like this shirt, right? My yeah. son wears these shirts, these Rio Honda prep shirts to his football practice. No way. And the coach is like, what's this real Honda? He's like, my dad went there and whatever. I'm like, Hey, tell your coach to schedule real hondo prep like next year or whatever yeah. and uh but mark's like no nah, we can't we're not gonna schedule you guys i talked to mark about it he's like maybe in a few years i'm like come on mark because no, mark told me mark told me a couple years ago the former coach at elisa miguel called mark and said hey we need a game are you available this date and like and they couldn't do it they were at their bye week they were up at mount care at the time at like science camp or something so it almost happened Wow. Maybe they'll meet in the playoffs or something, but Maybe. I would love to, I would love to hear tackle by CJ Bazuzzi against a real Hondo prep kid. That'd be kind of cool. That would be really neat. Yeah, yeah. They played, they played like Laguna beach or something. Yeah. They played Laguna ago. beach. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, that would be cool. Maybe it'll happen. It would, maybe yeah. it'll happen. Well uh, yeah. Good luck to him and, and to everything, Rob, this has been a blast. Uh, you're one of the uh, only guys here to almost go two hours with me. I mean, uh, try to keep these shorter, but Hey, when you get talking, just yeah, naturally man. flows. Yep. I appreciate yeah. everything, man. The, the, the support, the, uh, the stories you shared with us today, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch here soon regarding, uh, some, I don't know, anything sports things to talk about. And I'll definitely be hitting you up, man. If I'm ever down in the uh, orange County area, there you go. Anytime. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, uh, best of luck on the injury recovery and, uh, yeah, thanks for all you do in all seriousness, man, you and, uh, your brothers out there in the, uh, in law enforcement, we, we love y'all and uh, need you guys. Appreciate it, Matt. Hey, keep doing what you do, man. It's, 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 it's something now that it's, I look forward to it when you have those, those guests on and uh, it's, you're doing a good job. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Had a little break here in, in early August, but we'll get back at it soon. So uh, this has been a blast and Rod, thank you so much for joining me today. All right, man. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye now. All right. Bye. What a pleasure that was to sit down with Rod Bazuzzi and talk about law enforcement, Rio Hondo prep sports, um, professional sports, uh, high school football with his, his kids and everything. I mean, 
just a tremendous, uh, great, great interview there. I enjoyed every second of it. So our new studio here, not really a studio, just the living room here in our new home. Hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, more episodes coming out soon. We'll be have more guests on Fridays and get back to our regularly scheduled programming with uh, Monday Sports. Try to bring on head football coach Mark Carson from Real Hondo Prep as well on Mondays. The weekly Wednesday weigh-in with Mr. Bill Barnes, the retired police officer, and a new guest every Friday. At least that's the plan. So keep uh, your eyes out for new episodes on social media. Um, wherever you follow us, please subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Greatly appreciate all the support. Guys, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you again on Monday. But until then, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or round in third base, get home safe. <laughs>